Hello there, Turtle Tracks fans. Uh, this is your host, Brian Van Hooker. Uh, this is a bit of a bonus episode, I guess you can call it. Uh, last year, I interviewed uh, Kevin Conroy uh, for an oral history of Christmas with the Joker, the Batman the Animated Series episode. And uh, frankly, I just heard about the passing of Kevin Conroy and was super saddened by it because he was just such a sweet and engaging guy. Uh, there's no turtle talk in this episode, so if that's all you're in for, then that's totally fine. But... I have this interview. I only got to use pieces of it for my my article at uh, for Mel Magazine, and um, yeah, I just figured that there's a lot of crossover between Turtles and Batman the Animated Series fans, so why not post this and pay respect to the late great Kevin Conroy? So uh, rest in peace, uh, my Batman. Uh, sorry to hear of your passing, and as far as fans go, uh, hope you enjoy. So first of all, thanks so much for doing this. It's a huge pleasure to talk to you. I'm a, a sure. huge fan. No, like you're, Thank you you're, so much. Thank you. You're my Batman very much. So I, I ah, <laughs> brainwashing worked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk about a little bit about the role in general and uh, specifically about any memories from uh, um, Christmas of the Joker. Um, so I guess first thing I wanted to ask you was how you got the part of Batman. Well, it was it was it was an amazing um, lucky moment, really. I mean, I had I had been working as an actor for over ten years at that point, but I'd been really a New York actor, um, theater, and uh, a little bit of television, um, but but very heavily in, in the in the stage background. And I had a classical training. I went to Juilliard, and um, I trained doing Shakespeare and. Um, the Greeks and, you know, all the big classic characters. And I happened to be in LA um, doing a pilot for a series. And I had a, uh, a voiceover agent at that point. And he suggested, um, he said, you know, they're, they're putting together a new show over at Warner Brothers. Why don't you go over and check it out? It's Batman. And he said, I know you've never done an animated voice or anything, but, you know, they've asked for you. So go in. So I didn't know who Bruce Tim was or Andrea Romano or any of those people. I knew nothing about animation. I went in just as an actor, you know, sure. um, and it turns out Andrea, they'd, they'd seen over 500 people for months wow. and they couldn't find the right voice. They had most of the other voices in place. And Andrea had a friend um, who was a big casting director in New York. And he was familiar with my work from the public theater uh, with Joe Pep because he had seen me there. Okay. And he, he said to Andrea, oh, there's this young actor from New York, uh, Kevin Conroy. He happens to be in L.A. right now. Why don't you bring him in? He might be perfect because I've seen him do all these big classic roles. So it was really just um, that recommendation that brought me in. Wow. And um, they didn't know me at all. And I didn't know them at all. But then as soon as I got in there and they, I, I got into the character, um, Bruce Tim said, what do you know about Batman? And I said, well, I know the Adam West show from when I was a kid. And he said, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. He said, we all love Adam West, but that's not what we're doing. Yeah. He said, don't you know the Dark Knight history? You know, the the, the tragedy of Batman? And I said, no, I I didn't know anything about that. Sure. I'd only seen the campy 60s show. He said, well, his parents are murdered in front of him as a child. And he said, you didn't read comic books as a kid. What kind of childhood did you have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so he brought me up to speed. And um, so I, it was just an actor in a cold audition improvising. Cool. And I just put myself in the, the head of that man, who that boy who'd watched his parents murdered in front of him and what that would do to you, what that would turn you into. And my voice got darker and deeper and huskier. And I just went to this place and um, started performing with that voice. And they, they essentially hired me on the spot. They wow. said, we finally found the Batman voice. Um, it was just the right actor at the right moment for the right role. It was, it was such coincidence. Um, it doesn't, and whenever anyone asks me, how do they get into, how do you get into animation voice acting? I always say, well, not the way I did, you know, <laughs> sure, yeah. don't use me as an example because that just doesn't happen. Um, it was just a, you know, I, I paid a lot of dues. Um, yeah, absolutely. Working, you know, for years in the theater. Yeah. But, um, but, um, I hadn't done any animation voice work at all. I was not one of those voiceover people. Yeah. Now the, um, the, was there any sort of, aside from the psychology behind it, was there any sort of, uh, influence for you of like places you drew from for the voice of Batman or, or not so much? Well, the first thing I thought of when he was describing the character, to be honest, because I'd just done this at the public like two years before was the character of Hamlet. Because he was saying, you know, he's he's dual identity. He's living in the shadows. Um, he's totally un misunderstood. He's living to avenge his parents' death. Um, I said, well, you're kind of telling the Hamlet story. Uh, it's kind of a modernized version of the Hamlet story. And he said, well, no one has made that um, comparison before. <laughs> um, um, so I did draw on that background, but more, I think, um, I think more the Greeks. Um, like Orestes and Achilles, those great heroic Greek characters that have a tragic flaw. Sure. Um, and, and I had done those too. So yeah, I definitely drew on that for the character because, you know, animation, I think a lot of people think of it in terms of uh, children's entertainment. Yeah. And animation is really our culture's answer to mythology. Totally. You know, the ancient, the ancient cultures, the Greeks, the Romans, they had Orestes and Achilles and uh, Agamemnon and Electra. They were all metaphors to teach people morality. That's what those stories were all about. And these are our metaphors. Um, they had Electra. We have Wonder Woman. They had, you know, um, uh, Orestes, we have Batman. It's 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 our culture's mythology. Yeah, and um, and and I think that the producers and the directors of our show never approached it as a kids' show. It was yeah. never there was never any talking down to the audience. There was never any. Um, it had to be kid friendly because yeah. it had had to be sellable to that market. But it was never geared towards. Uh, children. It was really geared, I think, more towards young adults, like college age. That was the biggest audience initially, because it initially was a primetime show on Fox. And the right. big part of the audience was uh, was college age. Um, and they got all the oh the, yeah the mythical metaphors, you know, and they, they, they understood the different levels that we were working on. It's um, remarkable, too, like what you guys, I hate to say got away with, but like the maturity 
in the themes of that show, like yeah, drug abuse and things like that. So many different things that were able to be slid in and not in a way that was like, we're getting one over on you, but of like respectful to the audience. So, yeah, it was very yeah. respectful. And they wrote on lots of different levels at the same time. Yeah. So it could be entertaining to kids and kind of wacky uh, with the crazy uh, villains. Sure. But there could also be this dark undercurrent of the psychology of this tortured leading man. Yeah. Um, uh, the darkness of Batman, I think, is what appeals to the audience about him. Oh, the yeah. fact that he's not a cartoony, square jawed, Dudley Do Right type of, you know, hero. Yeah. He's damaged and yeah. he's, he's severely damaged and he knows he's damaged. Um, he's very aware of that. Um, uh, and I think that appeals to the audience. And I, and I think it's part of the, the longevity of it um, is, is it always seems modern when you look at it. Oh, yeah. I think because it, it was no other way to become like with the, the just the design of the cars, <laughs> Zeppelin, like they went so out of their way to be out of their way, out, out of the time then. Yeah, that, timeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a timeless noir look to it. Yeah. But also the fact that the characters are so rounded. Oh, yeah. Um, all the villains are so complicated. Everybody's complicated. Um, it makes them always seem interesting and fresh. You know, uh, I'm curious if you recall what those early voice, what those early episode sessions were like. Because from what I understand, Christmas of the Joker was only episode number two that was produced, if I'm not mistaken. It was It was number two. Um, I'm not sure it was number two that was produced. I think it may have been number two that was aired. Oh, see, I read it. I mean, it could be wrong. Who knows what the hell? Or it is. could be the other way around. I'm not sure. But I, I know it is episode number two. I'm not sure if it's number two produced or number two aired. Because, um, um, you know, Tim Curry had done the Joker before. Yeah. For a few episodes. And he did that. Well, you know why? I, I'm sorry. It was number two. <clears throat> because, um, even though Curry, you don't hear him there. Oh, Clive, um, the original Rebel. Alfred. Yes. Clive Rebel. In the episode. So I think it is one of those first three, because I think he was only in the three episodes, if I'm not Yes, mistaken. he was. Okay. Oh, okay. So, um, I, you know, Tim Curry was wonderful hmm. um, as, as the Joker. He, I didn't understand why they replaced him um, until I saw what Mark did with the role. Because Tim was wonderful. He's a wonderful actor. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But he was, Tim was, was, was dark and scary mm. and then mark came in he was dark and funny yeah um tim tim there was a real danger to the character that was like you know lock up the kids and don't let him them see this guy you know that kind <laughs> of thing. and mark was a joker that everyone could laugh with even though he was a psychotic yeah um so it was just different it was just different um but we were all learning sure. um, together because the wonderful thing about Andrea casting the role was, you know, there's this great pool of actors in LA who do animation voices and they are incredible. They can do, you know, a dozen different characters and they're completely different. Um, they can do um, a cougar. Oh, do you want the cougar in heat? 
oh, okay, then that's different. You know, they can be so specific about all the different sounds they can get. Um, but Andrea wanted to go past that pool of actors hmm. and include um, stage actors and film actors, um, um, people not not people from outside that voiceover pool. Sure. And uh, so people coming in for the first time, which many of the actors were, um, had to kind of figure out how you do it. You know, wow. um, we were all kind of learning together. Uh, there was a lot of newbies in the recording studio, people who were wonderful actors and were great at the character, but didn't understand that that you can't, you know, because we had paper scripts. Sure. You can't be turning the page of the paper, right. you know, <laughs> while the other person's mic is on. And so everyone was like being really careful about how they turned their pages, sure. you know, and, um, and, you know, whose mic was on. And we were all being very respectful because we were all kind of learning. Sure. You know, yeah. Um, and, and there was all this crazy interaction. Mark is such a generous, brilliant actor. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I I didn't appreciate it until I worked with him. I only knew him as as um, Luke Skywalker, um, sure. um, and I thought Mark Hamill is the Joker. This guy, that's going to be weird, you know. Yeah, he's, sure. I thought of him as the nice young man, you know, from sure. Star Wars. And then he came in and he did this wild man, Betty. He just went crazy, and he went to this crazy place, and his whole face became so rubbery. He transformed in front of me yeah. to the Joker. And he gives and he gives and he gives. He, and he loves to watch other actors work too, which is really a wonderful thing. He's a very generous actor. Um, because he also understands that the more you give, the more you get. Sure. And the more you get, the better you are. So he knows that the better the other actor is, the better he's going to be, you know? So there's, there's a, there's a, uh, a self-preservation to it too, to, to want to have good actors around you and, and want to oh, watch yeah. people work, you know, but, but not all actors are like that. A lot of actors are very territorial mm. um, and, you know, only think about themselves and their own performance. Uh, there's that old saying, you know, running at running lines with another actor and they say, okay, it's bullshit, bullshit, my line. And then bullshit, bullshit, my line. Sure. You know, they only think about their own lines. Sure. Um, but Mark is really into everyone's lines. He's really into all the performances. Um, and Andrea tends to cast actors like that, actors who are generous and like to play together. Uh, John Glover's another example. He's a madman and he's so generous uh, to work with. Um, there were so many actors like that. That was really one of the joys of doing not just Batman the Animated Series, but Batman and Robin and Justice League and Batman Beyond. Yeah. All the shows that came on after were the guest actors, were all the different actors that came on. Because word got out pretty quickly of what an amazing show was being done. Oh, yeah. And there was this great booking going on over at Warner Brothers. And Andrea said she could get anyone she wanted to come in for guest spots. So the cast was amazing. That's very cool. You know, let me ask you, the, uh, I, I read that uh, I think recently I, I read that um, in the earliest episodes, your voice of Bruce was a bit different and you had to go back and change. Is that correct? Yes. Um, okay. Initially, 
uh, I, I said to Bruce, because I was learning as I went. Yeah. I said, okay, now tell me this. He's the richest guy in Gotham. He's the most eligible bachelor. He owns half the city. And he puts on a mask and no one knows it's him. I said, seriously, isn't that kind of <laughs> ridiculous? I said, because I was thinking of, there's a wonderful movie from the 30s or 40s called The Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, yeah. And, do you know it? I, know the movie. I don't know that I've seen it. I, I know I've seen a Daffy Duck cartoon based on it. So sorry. It's a wonderful old movie. And um, uh, Leslie Howard plays the character. And he's a Batman type character. He's a Robin Hood, basically, sure. who is saving people at night and he's this incredibly virile and um, heroic character saving people uh, with his bare hands, you know? Um, but by the day he disguises himself by being a, a member of the court of the king and a fop, a, a really outrageous, wild, flamboyant fop. Mm -hmm. So he, he, he assumes this silly character during the day in order that no one will ever suspect it's him at night. Mm. Um, and I just thought that was such a great image for Bruce Wayne and Batman. I said, what if that, what if Bruce Wayne had more humor to him, had more sarcasm to him? He's a, he's a playboy. He's, he's sophisticated. He's, he probably has a sense of irony about him. So originally um, there was a lot more color in the Bruce Wayne voice. There was a lot of irony in it. There was a lot more laughter um, it was lighter. Mm. It was just lighter. It was closer to my own voice. Sure. So that when I then went into uh, Batman, it made the distinction so much more. Sure. But I used a lot of sarcasm, a lot of irony in line readings and stuff, and it made it fun. And, sure. and the guest actors would crack up because, you know, it was not what you were thinking for Bruce Wayne. Sure. But um, when the uh, when the first... Um, episodes came back from the artists because we were the first stage. The actors record first. We don't record to the visuals. We record first. And then they take those recordings and they send them off to the artists and then they paint the show. Um, and then they come back for what's called ADR where you sync up the audio with the visual because there are always extra mouth flaps or not enough mouth flaps, you know, Sure. Um, so you have to fill out the artwork with, with more recording. So that first, um, footage that came back from the artists was a good six months after we started recording. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. a lot of episodes then. Well, each one was massive and yeah. they were all hand painted. Sure. Oh, um, they're, they're back beautiful. when they were hand painting, they don't hand paint anymore. Yeah. So there were thousands of cells for each episode. So we were recording for months without knowing what really it was going to look like. Sure. Isn't that fascinating? That's we yeah. had, we had seen sketches, you know, but we didn't really know yeah. the, the extraordinary color palette they were going to use, what the effect would be to paint on black and yeah. have, have it look so noir yeah. and the incredible deco designs of everything. We, we had been told all this, but to see it actually, um, in full, you know, color on a yeah. big screen was pretty extraordinary. So once they saw that color palette and it came back, they realized the show was much darker mm. visually than they had anticipated. And everyone loved it. It was great. Sure. But 
the Bruce Wayne voice was just a little, the, the humor and the irony was a little too jarring. Hmm. Um, so Bruce asked me to tone it down. He still liked the idea of this, the distinct voices. Sure. But he wanted to make it much more subtle. Um, I always think it's interesting. Like there's also, like people always say there's two voices to Batman, but there's kind of a third one too. There's that like, there's Bruce, there's Batman. And there's when he's talking to Alfred, which is maybe the only time he's being himself in a way, huh. which I think is interesting. Well, we we decided, because that was always a question. Once sure. we discovered those two voices was, okay, now who is it now? What's yeah. what, Who is he hiding from? Is he hiding from anyone? And with Alfred, he wouldn't be. Right. But when I was alone in the cage with Alfred, it went much closer to Bruce. Yeah. But because, well, to Batman. But because there was no threat there yeah um it was less it was a slightly less batman type voice but it was much more the batman voice with with alfred you're right it's such an interesting i don't know i always like that that middle ground um so uh let's see i would love to hear about how your relationship so i know hamill wasn't recording christmas with a joker i know he dubbed it later and then he started with you guys a little bit afterwards Uh, but i'm curious about how that relationship has evolved over X number of years because you've gotten to play Batman and Joker for a long time now with them. I know, I know. Well, there, there's a there's a real mutual, uh, genuine um, friendship there and affection. We really, I really appreciate who he is, uh, not just as an actor but as a person. Uh, I think he's a wonderful person, and I think he's wildly talented. Um, and I don't think, I don't think people really appreciate how talented he is. He's a character actor. He was a character actor stuck in a young leading man's body because he was (laughs) so good looking. You know what I mean? So they only saw him for the the nice young leading man. Yeah. But he's really a madman inside. He's a character actor. Yeah. And um, so he's 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 enormously talented. And um, the the amazing thing is that that I know that he likes to work with me. So um, which is pretty humbling because I think so much of him. But um, there's a there's a Andrea has has jokingly said that she has to come in and separate us sometimes because we, we're having too much fun together. We go crazy together. It's fun. It's fun. But it gets a little it gets a lot of control sometimes. <laughs> but um, he's uh, he's he's terrific. He was and, saying that uh, if uh, whenever he hears a project for Joker, he's like, "Is Kevin doing it?" And then they, if they say yes, he automatically says yes, sight unseen of the script or anything. That's automatic. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's 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 wonderful that we've gotten to work together for so long because occasionally you can't be there. You yeah. know, they, they always prefer to have us together, the yeah. actors together, because you get a better performance out of people when they're working off of each other. Yeah. Um, but like with um, uh, the killing joke i think it was the killing joke um he was doing uh, star wars sure uh, he was on location in yeah. london or england somewhere ireland and um so we couldn't be together yeah and people can't, can't believe that we weren't in the same room together doing that because yeah. we both know we know what each other is going to do at this point sure. and um we were able to do it. I, I'm pretty sure it was uh, the killing joke that he was uh, on Star Wars. That sounds right. The years add up for that. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, 
is there any specific memories of that episode? It, it, I'm sure they all kind of blend together, but I, if there's anything else to share about that episode in particular, I'd, I'd love to hear it. If not, that's fine. Uh, the Christmas uh, with Christmas the Joker. Yeah. I know that you and uh, probably since Batman to watch It's a Wonderful Life. That's one of the, the yeah, fun yeah. details. That. that is a crazy episode. When you try it, you can't describe that episode to anyone. You can't because it's like an acid trip. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yes. it's wild. Yeah. It goes from A to B to Z to D to L. I mean, it goes all over the place. The, the only um, sense I could make of it why it was going all over the place. To me, it's like it was the writer's tribute to the Nutcracker. Mm. It's, you know, the Nutcracker is like a, is like an acid trip. It's like, yeah, a, it's like a non sequitur. Yeah. It's crazy sure. fantasy with all yeah. these, you know, sugar plum fairies and Nutcrackers talking and dancing. I mean, sure. the Nutcracker is a crazy ballet. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's, it's girls fantasy. These kids fantasy. Yeah. To me, Christmas with the Joker is like the Joker's Nutcracker. And it even has um, yeah. Nutcrackers in it, you know? It um, I think that music's in it might be for a second, too. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. I, don't, I, I have to go back and watch it. I just watched it, but I, I just wasn't thinking about that. But you might, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a wild episode. It goes all over the place. It starts with him jumping on a Christmas tree and riding it. Riding it out of Arkham. Like like it's a rocket. Yeah. Like how, first of all, how he made that work is never explained and you don't want it to be. No. <laughs> and there is this sort of this crazy narrative. And it's what's cool is like him taking over the television ends up being the perfect kind of villain showcase for that character, which is nice. Uh -huh. Like it, it uh, whenever Joker takes over a TV screen, it just seems to have a lot of, uh, a lot of potential for it. So. Oh yeah. But then that dark undercurrent comes in where he's holding them over a vat yeah. of, of acid yeah. and threatening their lives if Batman doesn't do what he wants them to do. I mean, it's crazy. It goes all over the place. And that's why I think it's a fan favorite. You know, oh, people yeah. love that episode. I know, just one of mine. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you, and you, I'm, I'm sure you've spoken to this, but the uh, why you think the cartoon has lasted and still holds up so well so many years later. I think it's because it never um, talked down to the audience. Yeah. It, it was never talking to just kids. It was always geared towards um, a multi-age audience, adults and adolescents and everybody. There are lots of different levels to the shows. And the fact that they spent twice as much per episode as had been previously spent. They spent a lot of money on those shows and it shows. That's why 30 years later, they still look like works of art. They still look so new. Young people come up to me all the time and say, oh, my God, I, after this last year of the lockdown, so many people come up to me at Comic-Cons now and say, oh, I got turned on to Batman the Animated Series during lockdown. I watched the whole thing. I'd never seen it before. What an incredible show. Yeah. People get turned on to it now, and they, 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 they see it as a, as, a, as a gem that they find. And a lot of it has to do with the amount of money that was spent. It was all hand-painted, yeah. all that work of all those artists, uh, big casts. Yeah. You know, we often had eight or 10 people in the recording studio, a full symphony score. When Amazing. does that happen? Amazing. Animation. Yeah. It just doesn't. So everything about it was um, was an investment. Yeah. And I think it's it's why it's paying off now. 
and it's it looks so great. You know, I think I'm all set. Is there anything else you want to say about that episode or Joker or Batman? Honestly, that was that was everything I needed. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Okay, so good talking to you. You too. It was a huge pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye.